Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's good, Eagles fans? I'm your guy, Tone DeShields II. You guys are locked in on football 24-7. And, of course, I'm joined by our Eagles insider, John McMullen. Before we get too deep into the content, you guys, you know what to do. You know what I need you to do. Smash that like button. Make sure you guys always stay engaged in the content. Also, make sure you guys are always subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. There you'll find other content like Verge 365 featuring Jody Mack and John McMullen, Sports Take featuring Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis, the National Football Show with Dan Cilio, so much more content, the pre-halftime and post-game show featuring Seth Joyner, Mike Missanelli, Derek Gunn, Kelly Santiago, Mark Forzetta, Mark Forzetta Bill Colarulo, so much different content going on for you guys. Make sure you guys always stay locked in because there's always something special going on on the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Now, John, I have a question for you. You know, you've been covering this game for a long time. You've covered the NBA. You've covered the NFL. Uh, you're a sports guy. You're a big wrestling fan. You know, I'm curious to know, what's the what's the most fascinating part of the game of football to you to cover? You know, what – what part of football really gets your juices flowing? Boy, that's a tough question. But now it was easier earlier in my career. Now, what is the uh, what is the most exciting part of covering football? What uh, stimulates you the most? Um, Prognose. What is it? No, it's definitely the people. Um, you know, when you have engaging people, uh, it's much easier. So. You know, we're lucky in Philadelphia to have Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata, you know, a lot of offensive linemen. They're just really um, thoughtful uh, and, you know, not a big fan of, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you watch Bull Durham back in the day where Kevin Costner teaches Tim Robbins how to answer questions about, you know, I just want to help the ball club. Yeah, that's 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 not good. So you want guys who are sort of thoughtful and engaging and the Eagles have a, a lot of those guys. So we're lucky in Philadelphia from that standpoint. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, on top of that, they have a lot of talented individuals. And, you know, a team as talented, as dynamic as the Philadelphia Eagles, not just on the field, but off the field, you know, they're, you know it, really makes them a, it really makes them a great cover in terms of just, uh, you know, when you compare them to other NFL teams. You know, this team, as a matter of fact, you know, they're 2-0 entering the season, right? They beat the, they beat the Patriots, they beat the Vikings, but a lot of people were really uncomfortable. A lot of fans in particular have been really uncomfortable with how they've been getting the job done. Now, me, I'm of the mindset, hey, they're 2-0. Of course, there are some things to clean up, but it's the beginning of the season. You've got two new coordinators. You know, some, some bumps <laughs> along the road should be expected. But I'm curious to know, after everything you've seen over the past couple weeks, what's stood out to you? What are some of your takeaways from the Philadelphia Eagles um, on both sides of the ball um, over the past couple of weeks? Um, you know, it hasn't been pretty, but it's, it's not surprising early in the season. Uh, but we, we talk about the preseason and how the Eagles go about it. So, um, it's almost like an extension of the preseason, those first two games, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't bleed over, uh, to much more than that. So I don't, I don't think people should be surprised at sloppy football and that's not just Philadelphia. That's basically everywhere in the NFL. Um, and, you know, the Eagles are able to persevere. That to me is the mark of a good team. I always make the baseball analogy with pitchers and, uh, you know, the old school pitchers, not now because nobody throws, but, um, you know, some, if you were an ace, you know, sometimes you don't have your good stuff, but you find a way to grind through and get your team a win. Um, that's sort of the Eagles. They didn't have their best stuff, but, you look at the last column, win, win. You know, they find a way to win. And that's what the NFL is about. It's not, you know, in college, you, you got to work for style points. We talked about it with Penn State. You know, they got criticized from running up the score. You should never criticize a college team from running up the score because they got morons voting on where they're ranked. Um, you know, and if they don't look good, they might fall from four to five and all of a sudden they're not in a position to be where they want to go. So they have to have style points. A lot of times, not in the NFL. It, Dallas had a lot of style points against the giants. Their win equaled exactly the Eagles win in new England. No more, no less. That, that That's the only goal in the NFL to get out with a win and we now got 20 games, the last 20 games with Jalen Hurts as a starting quarterback. The Eagles have won 19 in the regular season, 19 out of 20. They find ways to win games. And people act like last year was all peaches and cream offensively. They had bad games. They had a bad game in Arizona. They had a bad game in Houston. They had a bad game in Indy, generally the road games. Um, but they had some bad games but they find ways to win. That's the mark of a good team. Yeah, you bring up a good point. They even had a bad game uh, versus the New Orleans Saints at home. So, but granted, Jalen Hurts wasn't there. But, you know, you, but ultimately yeah. you're right, though. Uh, they've had some bad games last season. They were, <clears> you know, they, they were far in between and sparsed apart. But the reality is um, this is the NFL. And you don't get more, you know, credit or you don't get a, an extra W uh, for beating your opponent 40 to zero or you don't get an extra W um, you know, for beating your, you know, beating your opponent 34 to seven or whatever the Niners beat the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers by. But, you know, here's my thing, right? This is the part that's so fascinating about this team, especially with how we looked at it throughout the offseason. 
all offseason, the narrative has been, well, you know, Brian Johnson, you know, him and Jalen Hurts have have this relationship. And, um, you know, we you know, we don't really expect and this is the fans talking. Right. Um, we don't really expect any any uh, hiccups or we don't really expect uh, too, uh, too much turbulence with that offensive coordinator role. Um, we expect to see most of the uh, most most of most of the turbulence on the defensive side with Sean Desai. And interestingly enough, the defense, in my humble opinion, has actually led the way for the offense. You know, what's been your thoughts on just that narrative and how it's materialized through the first couple weeks of the season? Yeah, I, I I don't necessarily agree with that yesterday. I think the offense was better than the defense yesterday. Um, you know, they just ran the football. Um, you know, I, I don't care how you do it. They had 259 yards rushing. Everybody's, I said, you know, DeAndre Swift had a great game. And that's true. But, you know you look at the advanced stats um 133 of his 175 yards were before contact last night he didn't get touched at at the game the people know who attended the game live these holes were massive you point that to the um uh, the other running back on Minnesota, Alexander Madison, who's going through some stuff today, which is freaking disgusting, by the way, But and, and for people that saw that. But he, he had nothing, no space. Um, and, 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 you know, the, the offensive line of the Eagles won that game. So what? But people like people like numbers fantasy football i don't know what what it's fueled by maybe it's fantasy football i think it is i think it's strictly fantasy football yeah i mean kirk cousins 31 of 44 364 four touchdowns so what passer rating 125.6 he didn't win a football game justin jefferson 11 for 159 great great player didn't win a football game Eagles won a football game with A.J. Brown catching four for 29. Eagles won a football game with Jalen Hurts thrown for under 200 yards. I'd rather win the game than lose the game so you can have your numbers. I'll take the offensive line. Yeah, I can't really argue with the results either, John, because, you know, when you have a guy like DeAndre Swift rushing for well over 100, (laughs) well over 150 yards, 175, I think to be exact, I mean, you know, what more can you ask for? You know, I mentioned uh, earlier the relationship that's been spoken about with uh, Jalen Hurts and Brian Johnson, uh, this off-the-field relationship. You know, Brian Johnson and his father, um, they, they've known each other since he was four years old, and, you know, Brian Johnson played under his father. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, yeah, you what, know, they, what, what is, I, I mean, Brian, uh, um, Brian is – 36 37 somewhere in that range right right um he he met jalen when jalen was four years old right right um did people think he was talking about nfl football with jalen hurts at four years old i'm I'm glad you went there let's stay there for a second because because the reality is this you know because i've i've really thought about this and i'll admit i was one of the people who maybe put too much stock into the relationship off the field but I think this is where they are right now. This is where I am after I've watched the first two games. You know, 
is as 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 high quality as their relationship is off the field, it doesn't necessarily always translate to the on the field chemistry because the reality is they have to create, build, and develop this new relationship, this new quarterback play caller relationship. You know, their relationship off the field is more so as peers and as contemporaries. Whereas the on the field, Jalen and, and Brian Johnson, they have to establish some kind of flow, continuity, chemistry. And that's something that just isn't built off the field. You have to get that through real game reps. Now, through all the speed bumps and the hiccups that they're experiencing, the off the field relationship can help them navigate that because there's a trust. But at the end of the day, the on field relationship that we need to see materialize that we haven't quite seen just yet, that's only going to get done by live game reps. Well, yeah. I, well, yeah. I mean, look, they have a good relationship. I mean, but it, it developed in 2021 as a professional relationship. I mean, Brian, like I said, he met him when he was four years old. He had a more of a relationship with Jalen's father, obviously. Um, you're not talking football with a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, then he, then he um, tried to recruit Jalen when Jalen went to Alabama at Mississippi state and he tried to recruit him again um, when he transferred to Oklahoma. And by the way, he lost both times. So, you know, (laughs) you know, he wasn't able to recruit him to Mississippi state or Florida. So I, you know, I don't know, you know, their professional relationship dates back to 2021 just like Nick Sirianni and um, uh, Kevin Petullo and Shane Steichen before this year, uh, they all came in together um, and they all have worked and have good relationships with, with Jalen. Um, it's the same offense. Um, they're struggling now with the passing game. I think that has more to do with the adjustments made by two very good defensive coaches, you know, mm-hmm. Bill Belichick saw the Eagles on the schedule week one. And it, that's what you do. You spend the entire offseason. All right, this is what Philadelphia did well last year. Bang, bang, bang. We want to take this away. We want to take this away. We want to take this away. Same thing with Brian Flores. Now the Eagles have to adjust. And, and we'll see if they can. They did yesterday, but they adjusted in a way people – a lot of – it's funny because – you have one group that run the football, run the football, run the football all the time. They want to go back to 1975. And like I said, that 16 play drive where they ran it 13 times, that was the greatest drive ever for that group. Um, Then you have the other group, the fantasy, let's call them the fantasy football group. um, That just wants numbers from the, from the skill position players. And, and they want things done a certain way. Um, the core is the offensive line, and that's a good thing because they can default to the offensive line, and they can do it both ways. So Minnesota was taken away. They were doing some stuff, a lot of blitzing, making Jalen sort of uncomfortable, uncertain, and they just ran the ball. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. They said, all right, you're going to do this. We're going to do that. Inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, inside zone. They didn't add a man in the box because they were worried about them uh, getting loose with Jalen in the running game or the passing game. 
and the Eagles took what they gave them. That's a good thing. You know, you mentioned Jalen looking uncomfortable, right? You know, they've thrown these past couple of weeks. He's had he had he's had his full his full serving of defensive play callers really uh, making him uncomfortable back there. You know, I'm curious to know, you know, what exactly are you seeing that they're doing that's making him uncomfortable? Because, you know, they spent all this time in the offseason preparing for Jalen, right? Like you said, Bill Belichick had six or seven months to prepare for Jalen Hurts, right? Um, Brian Flores, they all the teams that they're going to play is going to have plenty of time to prepare for what they do. They had a, a larger sample size because of the playoffs and so on and so forth. But what specifically are they doing to make Jalen Hurts uncomfortable? And what can Jalen Hurts do? What can Brian Johnson and other guys do to counter the counter? Well, the one thing is, I mean, there's been a lot of blitzing over the first two weeks with a spy generally to try to limit Jalen getting out and running the football. Um, the Eagles never, even last year, they didn't use a lot of uh, site adjustments or hot routes, and they generally just went bubble screen, bubble screen, wide receiver screen to deal with pressure. I'm, I'm kind of over I, those, by the way. I think they need to completely delete those out of yeah, the playbook. Yeah, I've, I've been over those since 19. <laughs> I've been over those since the first five I've seen. But um, it's got to be perfectly blocked. It's it's a nightmare. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that play. Um, but uh, they, they rely on it way too much. I, I'd like to see them evolve. They have, you know, great receivers. Use the slant. You got AJ Brown. I mean, look at the look at his body. You know, he can he can play power forward on people, just box them out um on defensive backs. You have Dallas Goddard who hasn't gotten involved. You have Devontae. I mean Devontae had a big day, but uh, he was the only one. Um, you know, they have these players utilize them, but too much bubble screen. They gotta they gotta evolve their pressure how they handle pressure. They have to evolve it unless they're going to keep getting it. And if they don't, then get used to the running game because that's going to have to be how they win games. So what forces a team to evolve? I mean, we, we've seen this team all last year. We've seen the playbook. We've seen the plays. We've seen the bubble screens, so on and so forth. You're saying they need to evolve from that. We have two straight games of the offense kind of being stifled because they're – because well, It's they're, not like that's a large sample size. I see we've gotten another question about would Nick take away the play calling from Brian I don't think, Johnson? I, I don't think that's I mean, even. I, I, no, I first of all, no, he's not taking the play calling away. I agree. He's not, he's not taking the play calling. Now, that doesn't mean if Brian has a terrible year, um, but he, he's not taking it. It, 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 would, it would be Kevin Petullo or somebody else. Um, he doesn't he's made a decision that he wants to oversee the whole team and he likes the way he can run the team and he gets too bogged down with, with play calling. So he doesn't want to do it. Um, but for those that saying he should take it away from Brian Johnson, that's absurd. I mean, they're two and oh, they played two games. You know, if you start to get midway through the season and you start to lose some football games, all right, and and the offense is still struggling, passing game still still struggling, I'll listen to it. 
I'm, I'm not, they're not going to change at that point either. <laughs> um, but you know, all right, but come on, two games and you're two and oh, that's why you know it's two games. We have to really a lot. The, the bottom line is, no matter how we want to see it, the reality is you have a quarterback and a coordinator that has not worked with each other in this capacity before. They have to figure out the ebbs and flows of this dynamic that they're trying to build here. Yeah, I, I you know, and and, and again, it, 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 revisionist history. Like Shane, Shane was a great play caller here, um, but he had bad games. Yeah, bad games. I just brought up the three most notable ones. Um, no, nobody's perfect. It's more about the players than anything else, and that's why it's good. Like you saw, again, you know, you can run down the Vikings' numbers from a passing uh, to attack, but they were one-dimensional. Half of the time when you have these numbers, it's because you have to have these numbers because you're behind – by 20 points and you're trying to desperately come back in the game. So even if they could run the football, which they couldn't, they wouldn't because they were so far behind. So if you throw it more, well, you're going to, you're going to get more yardage. Um, Common sense. Yeah. In a lot of ways, fantasy football has ruined uh, people's evaluation uh, of professional football because you know, nobody cares about the offensive line, and that's the most important part of this team by far, followed by the defensive line. Yeah, absolutely. Stand on all- Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Offensive side for one more question. Well, I should say quarterbacks always first, but right, after right. quarterback. But you know, stand on the offensive side, uh, DeAndre Swift, man. I'm he, he, his ability to just be patient back there and just make the right cuts. You know, his, his vision was on full display uh, last night. Uh, it was really something to behold on, on top of the offensive line, you know, doing their job, you know, uh, on, on a tremendous level and, and, and run blocking. Right. Um, you know, what's been your thoughts on the offensive line play these past couple weeks? Uh, in my humble opinion, I think pass pro could be a lot better, but I also believe that Jalen Hurts has held onto the ball, for, you know, for longer than he normally would. Um, but I think that's kind of what you get with a guy like him, who's used to making things happen back there, you know, in the scramble drill and, um, you know, you know, being a playmaker, but you know, he's been sacked seven times uh, over the past two games. Um, I think two or three of those can be given to him. But you know, what's been your thoughts on this offensive line? And then, and, and then to take it to another level, how have you felt about this offensive line coupled with the newfound rushing attack with Derek, um, with DeAndre Swift? Well, that's the tenth time they've rushed for two hundred yards in the Nick Sirianni era, so it's not like it's new. Um, mm-hmm. they've been doing this for a while. Um, and I, they can't do it at will because they're said, look, you can always stop the run if you want to stop the run against anybody. 
anybody. Um, you know, you can put 11 guys in the box, you're going to stop the run. Um, so it's a give and take. Um, but when teams try to play light boxes like Minnesota did, yeah, I mean, they're going to gouge them pretty regularly. And you saw that happen. And, you know, I get why we just talked about it. I get why people are excited about DeAndre Swift. I get it. But 133 yards before he was touched. Before he was touched. That's, I I can't think of the last time that happened. I mean, that's absurd. Uh, that means he had... He, his career high was 144 against the Eagles. He almost matched his career high without being touched. Mm. I, so, to add perspective to that, he had nine uh, broken tackles or forced, he forced nine missed tackles, you know, through all those yards he accumulated. Uh, that's more than any running back had in week one, and the highest was six. Yeah, and he had, he, Again, he had a very good game, but he was the first one to say after the game, you know, that 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 offensive line, you know, kind of kind of did some things for him. Makes your job uh, a little easier, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I those who think, you know, they have the second coming of insert name Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, I don't I don't think so. But nah. you know, I'll I'll just point you to Boston Scott's statistics yesterday before his concussion. He was He's averaging well eight eight yards a carry. Um, that typically you don't have that kind of dominance in an NFL game, front versus front. Um, it's very rare, and part of it is let's be honest, Minnesota is a very poor front. The Eagles have a great offensive line, so you're not going to see that every week. Next Monday night, you got Vita Bea, you got Devin White, you got Levante David, you got Shaq Barrett, on and on and on and on. You're not going to see that. Um, so part of it was competition. Part of you know styles make bites. I talked about it all week. Same thing on the other side, uh, defensive line against their offensive line. On the other hand, the back seven struggled. When they when Cousins was able to throw the ball, um, they struggled because they're not going to be able to cover uh, Jefferson or Hawkinson or Osborne, but he dropped the football. Jordan Addison, big plays. They struggled. It's no surprise. Um, they have better, you know, that matchup favored them. Um those matchups are more important, the offensive line, defensive line. And that's why the Eagles won the game. So what's been your thoughts about the offensive line in terms of pass pro? Because Jordan Melata, he had one of the highest PFF grades at the offensive line position, uh, the highest they've seen since uh, week 12 in 2013. He had a 96.9 offensive lineman grade. Um, obviously, that includes run blocking and pass protection. Most of that definitely came on the side of run blacking, but um, not to say he doesn't deserve that uh, that benchmark. But you know, in my humble opinion, I feel like the pass protection hasn't been as tight um, as the as the run blocking has. What's been, what's been your thoughts on the Eagles and pass pro? Well, they were great yesterday. Um, you know, 
if you talk about PFF, yeah, Jordan was over 90. You know, they, they sort of have, you know, when you're blue, blue chip, you're, and that's what Jordan was. Then they have sort of green light players, red light players in between. Um, every single one of them, Lane, Landon, um, Jason, uh, Cam, were all in the green. So everybody had a big day on pass protection, uh, except the backs. The backs were terrible picking up the blitz. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre yeah. and Rashad Penny, were Penny had the most egregious yeah. one. Yeah, those they were they were bad picking up the blitz. And and that's where the the Vikings got the Eagles a little bit was on the blitz. But as far as the core offensive line, um yeah, they were they were good. And you know, as weird as it sounds, they got generally better pass block grades than run block grades. Interesting. Yeah. You know, um Kelsey didn't have his best day. Uh, Cam wasn't great in run blocking. Jordan was phenomenal. Um, Landon was great, and and Lane was great. Um, but they were better as a group pass blocking than run blocking. It's a good group. <laughs> it's a good group. Um, yeah, and it's not it's not sexy. Um, so. I, you know, people are always going to talk about Jalen and the, uh, uh, obviously Devontae and AJ Dallas and now DeAndre Swift. They know, though, every single one of them. It, it, it's almost they they always make sure to give their flowers to the offensive line because they know where the bread is buttered, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love I love giving credit to guys like Devontae Smith and run blocking as well. I mean, uh, he had a pretty big run block on the right side of the field. I think uh, it was a DeAndre Swift run. Um, he helped him break that one big. Um, you know, a guy like a guy like Devontae Smith, unsung hero in the in, in the run blocking game because of uh, how slight his build is. Um, you know, you mentioned the Eagles in your opinion did pretty well. Also, by way, PFF did pretty well in pass pro. Um, obviously the blitz, you know, they're sending the extra guys, so it makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, it seems like the only way to feel it seems like the only way other teams can get pressure on Jalen Hurts or even stress this offensive line is when they're blitzing. And now, granted, I know the blitz stresses the blitz stresses any offensive line, but the way this Philadelphia Eagles team is set up, it just seems like teams can get home with their front four, no matter who it is for the most part. And that's pretty much the only thing. Well, yeah, I mean, it, well, well, Lane hasn't given up a sack since 1945. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're not getting, you're not getting by Lane. Um, Jordan, but what I'm, what I'm trying to get to, right. Um, was the fact that at this point, teams are going to blitz Jalen Hurts. That's that at, at least it seems like that's the game plan for most for defense thus far. Blitz Jalen Hurts and force him to make a decision. I I feel like this coaching staff could do a better job at countering the blitz. I I'm having a hard time understanding. You know, well, why that's where so I bring up that that's where I bring up the site adjustments in the in the hot routes. Um um you know, I think they have to evolve in that aspect of it. Um, but not everybody. I mean, they're going through this stretch, you know, and it'll probably continue in Tampa because it's Todd Bowles. Um, but you're going to get to the Fangio deep, and they're playing Fangio um, this year. Um, 
he's not going to blitz. So you're not going to see it all 17 weeks. You just happen to have um, this grouping at the, at the start of the schedule um, that is, you know, very savvy defensive minds. Um, you're going to get to groupings. I mean, they play at, at Jonathan Yannon late. He's not going to blitz. <laughs> uh, Vic's not going to blitz. The Rams aren't going to blitz. Um, they're a Fangio team. The Jets, they might do, they might do some uh, uh, blitzing. Um, so you're going to have a, a different group. You know, Dan Quinn's a great coordinator, but he's more of a cover three guy. Um, you know, San Francisco, you have Steve Wilkes. They're not, they're not a huge uh, blitzing team. The Giants are a blitzing team. So it goes back and forth. It's going to be an ebb and flow. Um, but not everybody's going to try to replicate what, Bill and Brian just tried to do. Nobody's going to replicate what Brian does because Brian's a schizophrenic man. I love that dude because he's he leads the NFL in blitzes and he leads the NFL in eight man coverages. Never been done before. He's a lunatic the way he changes from play to play. It's not working for him just yet, but he but he doesn't have a lot of talent. If he gets some talent, he's going to be a problem. Uh, you know, before we begin to close out the show, um, I'm looking at the schedule, and you said a bunch of names, you know, Todd Bowles, Brian Flores, uh, Bill Belichick, guys like that. You know, it just seems like these first several weeks, you know, um, Vic Fangio, these, ver- these first several weeks of the season, you know, not just this roster is going to be tested from a depth perspective, but this coaching staff seems like they're going to be tested more than they've ever had before. They're going to get some pretty stout minds. They've already gone up against Brian Flores and Bill Belichick, but then Todd Bowles, and you got Ron Rivera, uh, and then uh, you got uh, the New York Jets. Their defense is um, really astounding right now. A uh, Vic Fangio in Miami, um, and then Dallas, uh, Dan Quinn over there. The, that defense is looking as fierce as they've ever have been. This, you know, you know, we can we, we can end it here, right? What's your thoughts on how this coaching staff is going to handle this amount of pressure they're going to be under? Because I don't think I don't think this team or this staff has really has has really been challenged the way they're going to be challenged um, from a defensive mind perspective. So what's your thoughts on just the upcoming matchups from a coaching perspective when it comes to Philadelphia Eagles over, over the next several weeks? Well, I mean, you know, they generally win games so i don't i you know 20 19 out of 20 is pretty good nick's proven to be a pretty good coach i think you know people look outside we talked about it defensively a lot because you know i said it, it it's not about like disliking the coordinator eagles fans a lot of eagles fans not all they dislike jonathan gannett but they dislike his personality and if they don't dislike his personality they dislike the way the Eagles play football. Um, it's not really um, a, a, a dislike of the of – they dislike the scheme, the philosophy, sitting back, trying to limit explosive plays. Um, you know, they want to be aggressive, um, and they want to – but that's a double-edged sword, which you saw yesterday with Minnesota. 
Yeah, it worked for a quarter right up until it didn't work. So, I mean, for people that's saying they didn't do this, they didn't do that, I, I pointed, and I said this on Birds 365, there were two key points to this game in my estimation. The Vikings scored. They had one lead in the game. They scored a touchdown. Um, is that T.J. Hawkinson um, five-yard touchdown early in the second quarter. And what did the Eagles do? That was the 16-play drive. That Right after, that was the answer. 16 plays, 13 runs, inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, inside zone. They said, all right, you're going to play light boxes. We're just going to gas you. And they went right down the field, answered, took the lead back. Um, they never lost the lead. But when the, when, when the Vikings cut it to uh, 27-21, and you're going, oh, you know, looked like the game was over. It's 27-7. They made it 27-21, um, 7.40 left in the game. You're saying, if they stop them here, hold on to your hats. Um, and the Eagles, eight plays, 75 yards. Bang, bang, bang. Answered both times. And when you do that, that tells me something. You know, the assumption is, you got to go 100% for 60 minutes. Everybody has ebbs and flows. Everybody has lulls. But when you're challenged and they say, oh, we're losing, they're within the score late in the game, and you got the football, and you you go on these long drives, that's pretty impressive. On the note, you guys, listen, make sure you guys smash that like button and stay engaged into the channel on Jacob Sports, man. Uh, there's so much content flowing. You guys are locked into football 24-7 with John McMullen. You guys can also catch him on Birds 365 with Jody Mack as well. Then you got Sports Take with Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis. You got the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. You got the pre-halftime and post-game show with Mike Missinelli, Seth Joyner, uh, Derek Gunn, Kayla Santiago, Mark Farzetta, Bill Colarulo. On top of that, you have John McMullen providing correspondence from the Novacare Complex and from Lincoln Financial Field every single week. Man, Jacob Sports is, you know, some of the best I heard, you know, giving you your Eagles content. And you guys need to make sure you lock in on that. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that. Um, you know, John, you know, you do a lot of amazing work for JacobSports.com. You do a lot of amazing work for SI.com, SportsIllustrated.com. Um, what do you got? What are you working on? What's coming up on the horizon for you? Uh, I just wrote about Josh Sweat over at SI. I mean, he had a tremendous game, and you know, part of it is oh, yes. obviously I, yes. I was looking forward to uh Josh Sweat against Christian Darasaw, and uh, who's one of the best young left tackles in football. Uh, he hurt his ankle in week one, um, and and he was dressed, so we're sitting there 90 minutes before the game, and they made him active, and we're like, oh, ooh, this is going to be interesting because. A lot of us thought he wasn't going to play. And then he tweaked the angle, ankle in pregame. He didn't play. And poor Ole Udo was out there trying to deal with Josh Sweat. And Josh took advantage, man. He had, I think he had 31 pass rushes, eight pressures. Um, he was all over Kirk Cousins. Made him very uncomfortable. Had the big uh, strip sack uh, that led to a, Short field, very short field, as in seven yards that gave the Eagles a touchdown. Um, just a tremendous player. And it's always interesting to me because you heard that narrative 
um, last year. Well, the Eagles only beat bad quarterbacks. They can't be good quarterbacks. Why is Hassan Reddick? Everybody says, where's Hassan Reddick? Well, Hassan Reddick had to go up against Brian O'Neill, who's probably the best right tackle in football, not named Lane Johnson. He was going against a really, really good player. And he's got a broken thumb, well, not broken, but surgically repaired. So he's not himself to begin with. Had a tough day. Um, Josh got to play a backup. Guess what? He took advantage of it. That's what good players do. When when there's a mismatch, you got to make that mismatch p- pay off. And that's exactly what what Josh Sweat did. But it seems that people only recognize it when it's the quarterback position. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, John, what we're going to do tomorrow, because we, we're giving you guys a doubleheader of football 24-7 tomorrow. Me and John are going to still work out the time. Um, but you guys will definitely know when that's going to be. Um, tomorrow, John, I definitely want to get more into the defensive side of the ball. We spoke a lot about offense today, but I, I really want to dive a little deeper into that defensive side because, I don't know, I'm still on, I'm still of the mindset that this defense has been, you know, kind of been the, the driving force um, behind some of these wins. Um, you can make an argument uh, some of these uh, some of this offensive production wouldn't be possible without the short fields that the defense is creating. Um but again, I want to save that dialogue for tomorrow. So I just want to uh, tee you up right there, key you up, make sure you uh, you know exactly what I'm going to hit you with tomorrow. But again, you guys, um, smash that like button. Make sure you guys always stay engaged in the channel on Jacob Sports. Subscribe to the channel as well. Be on the lookout for more content from John McMullen himself on Burger 65 with Jody Mack, Sports Take with Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis, the National Football Show with Dan Cilio of the pre-halftime and post-game show. Featuring Seth Joyner, Mike Missinelli, Derek Gunn, Kayla Santiago, uh, Mark Farzetta, Bill, Bill Colarulo, and John McMullen as well. Also, some other content on the channel that's growing rapidly with the Philly Godfather giving you some of the best sports bets, uh, some of the best sports betting advice uh, in the market right now. And also, this weekend, this weekend pro sports, this weekend pro football. Uh, that's another series that we have as well. So make sure you guys. Always stay locked in with that. Pat Callahan does an amazing job. We appreciate you guys locking in on the content. As always, smash that like button. This has been Football 24-7 with John McMullen. I'm your guy, Tony. Just a second. We'll see you guys next time. Eagles. Say-
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.